0: We're doing
1: our series, it's called Faith and Practice. And, you know, the entire kind of gist uh, of this series is simply that our faith must be practiced. You know, in order for us to to fully learn uh, what it means to be a Christian, to follow Christ, it means that we have to not just learn things mentally or emotionally, but we have to learn to kind of put our lives into a certain pattern, if you would. And so what happens is these things that we call uh, routines or habits. These are ways of learning as well. Um, When you go into the armed forces, they change your routines. Agreed? Okay. Now, the the point of that is not just to kind of mess with you. The point is that they are training you and teaching you things even in these small, uh, these new habits that they're training you to do, you know, the way you make your bed, the way you fold uh, your clothes, the way you cut your hair, you are learning things. It's molding who you are. It's molding the way that you think, the way that you react to things, the way that you perceive the world. It's, it, it's these habits that have a way of teaching us things um, in a much deeper way. Uh, we call that religion sometimes. It's these patterns and these habits and these ceremonies and these rituals which we do which have meaning behind them. It's, it's supposed to train us. It's supposed to, to help us be immersed into these realities in a deeper way. Because the struggle for us as Christians is that we are expected to follow Christ, to put His, uh, to put his kingdom first, uh, to operate spiritually and all these different things. But the problem is, is that Sunday mornings is the only time when we actually get exposed to those things. And so, when we go back to work on Monday and we put the TV on and the radio on and we see our coworkers, we are flooded with this other world and these other priorities and, and these other realities. And it makes it very difficult for us to kind of stay spiritual or stay in the kingdom being in the world. Does that make any sense to you? Okay, And so it's hard for us to do that. And so some of us have kind of um, learned some patterns. Some of us uh, have found times um, in the lunch breaks to, uh, to have time with the Word or, or um, you put your worship music on when you go into work. These are habits. This is spiritual practice. And the goal of these, these practices is for us to continue to immerse ourselves in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Now… This morning, we're going to talk about the spiritual practice of simplicity. Simplicity. Who here has heard about minimalism? Okay. Now, that's more of a how you put it? it's more of a modern kind of a recent millennial-driven kind of a cultural fad, right? What do you think about when you think about minimalism? What do you think? What? Whoa. Oh, okay. Okay tiny houses. Perfect. Such a fad, right? It's going to last, what, for like another year? And then, uh, then, you know, what happens is like, then they'll buy a house and they'll park the tiny house in the garage, right? <laughs> that's what's coming next. But yeah, it, it's this movement that's kind of swept the country here, uh, you know, in the West. And it's something where, you know, the idea is that you would learn to live with less. Okay. Now, now Christians have been practicing this thing called simplicity for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's actually a spiritual practice. It's something that we do, you know, with a similar uh, a way of doing it, but the intent is very different. And so this morning, as, as, as we kind of dive into simplicity, uh, you know, you just kind of continue to, to kind of engage your mind uh, into this idea as well. Now, um, in all this stuff though, um, who here has been using uh, the Lent guides? Anybody been using that? I saw eight hands. That's embarrassing, right? Okay. If you haven't been doing it, that's okay. There's no guilt or condemnation in Christ, right? But you're going to start this week, right? <laughs> now, I-, I promise, It's it sounds goofy or weird, but it's such a... Um, so refreshing just to take the five minutes, you read the prayer, uh, you read like three or four verses in the scriptures, and it's just, it's just a moment to kind of reset yourself in the day. And um, the practice this week is going to uh, go along with the sermon uh, that, that we're diving into today. So if you haven't done Lent yet, please jump, put, uh, jump into it now. You've got two weeks to, to jump in. Uh, two weeks shouldn't be too difficult. All right now what is simplicity what's the heart of it um who has a garage here okay now who here has a clean garage that is just for your car okay not many who has a garage that's supposed to be used for your car but is being used as storage liars every one of you There are so many more of you that, oh, come on. This is not a good start. Okay, so my garage right now, um, we have a small house. It's not a tiny house, okay, but it's a small house and a small garage. So um, what happens with this garage is it can only fit a full-size vehicle if you're only putting a full-size vehicle in it, okay? Does that make sense? And so right now we have four tables, three storage units just covered in junk, Okay, just stuff, and it's the weirdest thing here, you know, right? It's like it's like where did this stuff even come from? I mean, who even knows? I mean, I mean, like, what is this blanket and this lamp? And I mean, like, where does even? I mean, we don't even have this much money. How did we buy all this stuff, right? Um, you know, it, it, it's it's this odd kind of thing in life uh, for us. We just we have a habit of of just accumulating. Stuff, right? And so stuff always finds its way to, to the only, uh, the only clean space in the house. Um, uh, here at grace, we've had a really bad habit of having storage rooms. Okay. Um, you don't know this and we probably shouldn't tell you this. When we first opened up grace church, we only use this side of the campus from the breezeway over. I kid you not. All of that space, the kids church, uh, uh, the gym as well. Stuffed with stuff. It wasn't all us. We can share the blame with all the other churches who were in here, okay, through all the years. But it was just, I mean, like kayaks and birds and it was weird. And interns who, you know, it was weird. I mean... It was so bad that the previous pastor who was here before this, um, uh, he told me that one Sunday uh, he was here and and this one man, uh, he would always attend, but he would leave early. And so he followed the guy one time, followed the guy all the way back to the kids' church. Probably shouldn't tell the story. Found out the guy had been living all the way back there for weeks and no one even knew. (laughs) And you're not going to have any kids in kids' church next week. I'm sorry about that story. story. I apologize. (laughs) I don't know, we just naturally went there. So, anyways, yeah. So, what happens is, you know, junk just finds a way of finding. I'll say this if you leave, let me put this, junk will always find a way to take up space, always. Um, we have a conference room right over here, and um, in the last month, the focus of mine was to get uh, the offices painted and cleaned out. So room by room, you know, we went through and just threw out junk and old furniture and old papers and old blah blah blah. And so, like, once we clean a room, we put a sign down that would say, "If you leave your junk here, we will cut you." <laughs> it's amazing, and so. It's been so clean for about a month. Last night we took down a TV and it was late, it was like midnight, we didn't have anywhere to put it, so we put this huge TV, put it um, in the conference room on this table. I saw it and I thought to myself, I know we don't have anywhere else to put it, but I fear if I leave it there, it's gonna attract more junk. (laughs) So I come back this morning and random objects begin to appear on this table. It's a monstrous table and junk just starts growing. I mean, everyone goes, hey, look, it's a place to put our stuff. (laughs) Now, this is what happens in our lives. If you have space, if you have a, you know, an empty room uh, in your home, if you would, just kind of like use this picture for yourself, you know, if that garage does not have a car in it, okay? The moment that you allow that car to stay outside the garage, that night, something's going to find its way into its place. Okay? Stay with me. The moment that that bedroom, okay, does not have a purpose, it's not being used for something, the moment that that room is empty and not filled with something meaningful, junk is going to fill that room. The moment that Your afternoon is not filled with something important. Something worthless is going to take up your afternoon. Hear me? Okay. The moment that your evening, the moment that your date night, okay, is not set in stone and protected, something worthless is going to take up that date night. The moment that the time that you're going to play with your kids, if you don't protect it, Something else is going to slip inside of it, and what happens with our lives is that there's a time or a place where we just were not intentional enough to make sure that this part of ourselves this part of our uh, schedule um, this day of the week that that we were not intentional to 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 set it aside for something important and all of a sudden and then all of a sudden something just worthless or not important, began to fill that space. And So what happens in life is that we begin to find our lives cluttered, full. Uh, Have you ever watched Hoarders? Okay. Your house might not look like that, but I guarantee that your life does. It's very difficult for us to have lives that are focused on the things that matter to us. It's very easy, if you would, it's natural uh, for our lives to be filled with all these things that might have a little bit of value, but they're not the things that really matter most to us. And so our life is full of all these things and these these appointments and these to-dos. And, you know, we, we find ourselves busy. Who feels busy Every week. You know, you make it to Saturday or Sunday and you just feel exhausted. And you're like, what have we even done this week? It feels like we've been in the car nonstop. We've been go, go, going. You know, um, we hardly see each other. We don't, you know, um, this week's been so crazy. We haven't had time for family, et cetera, et cetera. But what have we even done? I mean, how has our life become so full of junk? And this is the reason we have to learn simplicity. Because what this is, the spiritual practice of simplicity is learning to live for what matters most. The practice of simplicity is learning to live for what matters most. Now, you know, for us to get to this place for us to begin to kind of step into this kind of lifestyle, we just have to realize, you know, how we got there. And um, in the Scriptures, Matthew 6, 24, uh, we began this, uh, this morning with this verse. It says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And now, what's interesting about this line is that when Jesus says it, the word he uses... From money is uh, the word mammon. Now this word has all these different roots and it's a fun study, but it goes back to Babylon. And, and the idea in mammon was that things in money are not just objects. That in some way this uh, money and the need for more of it and more things, these things that that, that are not, people, if you would, they begin to take on a life of their own. To where the idea behind mammon was that mammon actually its to look at money and things as if it's alive. Did you hear that? And so when he calls money mammon, he says, money is not just a thing. It's not not the danger between having to choose between God and, you know, the, the bill in your pocket. It's the danger between having to choose to live for God or to live behind what is pulling the strings of money. Does that make sense to you at all? It's not about having a car. It's about why, when I see the new car ad, do I need to have that car? Why do I need to have the bigger house? Why do, why do whenever the, the bills are paid, do I just have this need to have more money? Why, when I get the savings account taken care of, do I need to have more in the savings? Why do we need to have, you know, uh, you know we have the ability to go to the park for a day, but why do I have this need to go and spend money to go out and eat, on or on? It's not about the actual money itself. It's, it's about what is behind it. And so in the Scriptures, what we see is that one of the biggest ways that that we wrestle with the way that we fully choose God is when it comes to the area of money. Because things in money just have this way of just kind of capturing our heart. In the Scriptures, it says that Where your treasure lies, your heart lies also. Meaning the things that matter most to you are the things that control the most of you. And in this series, we've been talking about habits and patterns and the way that these patterns kind of teach us things subconsciously. And, you know, what you don't know is that you have grown up in a culture uh, here in this country where From uh, the earliest stages, this culture and these patterns and these habits have trained you to value money and things. You have been formed in a religious system, okay, that has trained you to understand that what matters is this thing. What matters is How many bedrooms the house has? If I have a boat or I don't have a boat? If I have the latest SUV? um, You know, it's changed you that you are a good dad if you provide for your family, men. When you think of being a good a good husband, a good father, what's one of the first things that pops into your mind? Being a provider. Now, we all understand that it's important for us to to be able to provide for our families, but is it not strange that the first thing that pops to our minds is that? For me to be a good dad, I have to provide these things. Now, if you think back to the people in your life who have, who have impacted you, who have helped form you into who you are, I guarantee the people who have formed you and, and have, have touched you in, in, in such powerful ways were not the people who gave you the most things. To be a good father is not first to be a provider, to be a good father is to first be present. The first thing that your child needs is you. And it's hard for us and so we have to kind of find ways to reprogram ourselves because we have an entire world that is constantly trying to teach us that certain things matter and other things don't but for us to be kingdom minded for us to be followers of Jesus means that we have to find a way to invert that to flip it on its head and to be followers of Christ means that we learn that the things that matter most to us and to God are not the things that matter most in this world. And it takes retraining ourselves. And so if we've grown up in a world that's used habits and culture to teach us that money matters, that things matter, that status matters, that being successful matters, how do we retrain ourselves to learn the things that matter most? And simplicity is a place that we start. You will not be able to, uh, if you would, to pull back the tide, uh, to change the momentum that, if you would, your life is already on without drastic steps. Now, simplicity is the practice; it's the habit of learning to continually live for only the things that matter most. And at the heart of that, again, as we've seen in the scriptures, at the heart of this practice is it's training ourselves to not have idols. Okay, An idol is anything that we place before God. And again, it's not even just things that we place before God in our minds. It's, even more importantly, things that we place before God in our habits. For example, you know, if we wanted to measure the things that are most important to us, how would you measure that? And I think I would start by by trying to evaluate the amount of time, the amount of, of energy, and the amount of thought that goes into things in our life. Okay, and if we begin to evaluate how much of our time, energy, and thought was going into things in our life, and if you were to make a list, at what point in your list is your family? At what point on your list, how much of your time, your energy, and your thought goes into making money? How much of your time your energy and your thought goes into your family? How much of your time, your energy and your thought goes into God? And I think that we would all be guaranteed of the order of that. And so simplicity is the process of us taking the first steps to invert that order. Because I think all of us would say that what should matter most to us is God, family, and then work, if you would, you know, but I think all of us live in a way to where it goes, work, family, God. So how do we do this? How do we begin, uh, you know, to kind of change this process? How do we kind of begin to step into the things that matter most for us? Now, um, the process of, of walking out simplicity has four steps to it. First step to, um, to living... Uh, in practicing simplicity, is to evaluate. Uh, In this step, what it means is we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to to be willing to sit down and to kind of look at ourselves. And so when you begin to enter into this process, the first thing that you have to do is, is look at your life and say, where do I pour the most of me? Where do I pour the most of myself? If you would say it this way, who gets the best of me? Think about the way that you feel when you come home from work. You know, you're you're tired, you're stressed out. Um, Who gets the best of you? Is it God? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it work? Is it hobbies? I mean, listen, you know. And so as we evaluate, we have to ask ourselves, who gets the best of us in this process? Now, the, the step that follows after that after we, if you would, we analyze ourselves, we analyze our lives. We, we examine our lives. The next step in this is we have to prioritize, meaning if this is where I'm at, if this is where the majority of me is going, where do I want the majority of me to go? Who do I want to get the best of me? Um, you know, the, as I said, this practice is all about living for the things that matter most to us. And so in, in In learning to prioritize, it's important for us to kind of, if you would, to put down what is it that matters most to us. Meaning, if you had complete control over your life, how would you live? If you had everything that you needed, how would you live? Where would you want yourself to be? How much of your time would be spent here or there or in other places? And I think one of the scariest things about this is that I think if we're being honest with ourselves, A lot of us, we love work. We love doing. We love these other things outside of God and our family. And and again, I don't think that's because we're bad people. But when we have been in this pattern for so long, we enjoy, we learn to love these things. And so in this process, it's not even just the things that we want, but it's about, you know, what are the things that we should be living for? Now, after we figured out, you know, the priorities, what, what should matter most in life, it's, it's time for us to kind of declutter, meaning we're at the house, we opened up the garage door, you know, we're standing there looking at, at all the junk. Okay. It's a picture. Okay. For you, if you have a storage shed, if you have a, a storage room, you yes, if you have, have a garage, kind of get that picture. So you're sitting here looking at all the junk. When you open the garage door, all the stuff's, you know, just kind of like falling down, you know, it's, it's beautiful. If you have a closet or a drawer at home, whatever it is. This stage is about picturing what should be in this garage. Okay, this is supposed to house my car. So in order for me to get my car into this space, what do I have to do to be able to accomplish that? Now, what's hard about this step is this. Okay, you say, okay, you know, you know what? It's almost, uh, well, it's almost April, so well, it is April. Gosh, darn. <laughs> that kind of tells you where I've been, right? Yes, it is April. It is April. Uh, which means the storms are coming. So if I don't want to pay Jason Kimes all my money, I need to find a way to get my garage. Right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Low blow. You'll be all right. And so again, what do I have to do to reach this step? The problem is this in order for all your junk to fill that garage, it means that the rest of your house, if you would, is already full. If your life is so cluttered and busy, it means that it's already maxed out, okay, the amount of stuff that's able to fit into it. And so the only way for you to make room for what you want, the only way for your life to have room for what matters most to you is to throw things out. Not reorganize them, okay, that's a terrible word. We're going to reorganize. This means, you know, you're going to find ways to stuff more junk into your house. We have to be willing to cut things out for the things that matter most to us. It's a very hard place in life. We have to be ready and willing to begin to cut and to throw junk to the side. And I think when you reach this place, you're only going to be able to make that decision, to make that call if you fix yourself on the goal. If you would, you've got the garage, you just begin to uh, imagine that car in the garage. You say, okay, I either throw junk out or I end up at Autoplex. You're not a bad guy, man. We love you. You do good work, right? I either make room in my life for my spouse I make room in my life for my kids I make room in my life for God or I don't and the only way that I'm gonna actually begin to live for what matters most the only way for my spouse and my children and God to get the best of me is to throw things out and you have to keep that fixed and I think that that's the place where all of us have to come to. And this morning, um, my brain has been all over the place. And, but in my heart, the part that, that uh, to me is, is strong inside of me is that in my own life, almost every year, almost every six months, I have to sit down and say, okay, Here's my schedule. I have all these meetings. I do these these teaching. I have these classes. I have to prepare these things. I have to meet this person, do this. Okay. Who's getting the best of me? Is my spouse? Is my family? My children? Is my God? Are they getting the best of me? And then you got to cut. And as long as you know why you're doing it, and when it comes time to begin chucking all that junk out, you can make that choice. Would you guys stand with me today?